Hey Swamp Folk, today's episode is going to be an extra long compilation of nature topics that we have read over the past couple of months. These are going to be some of my favorites mixed in with some of your favorites voted in. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Be sure to subscribe if you're new, and hit that like button if you haven't yet, and get ready for some downright strange, terrifying, and absolutely mind-bending deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Hey Swamp Folk, are you looking for a stress-free summer? Well, HelloFresh sends you foolproof, step-by-step -step recipes and fresh, pre-portioned ingredients to make mealtime a summer breeze. Get 16 free meals plus 3 free gifts with code SWAMPED16, hellofresh.com slash SWAMPED16. When I was in middle school, my family moved into my mom's childhood home to take care of my grandfather. This property was in the woods near Lake Michigan. Everyone refers to it as the valley. I grew up hearing all my aunts, uncles, and cousins scary stories about growing up in the valley. Once my family moved in, we quickly learned why the valley truly is the most evil place we have ever been. My mom worked the third shift while my dad ran his business out of our garage. One night, I needed to talk to my dad, but he wasn't in the house. Knowing he was probably working in the garage, I checked. Across the yard, I saw all the lights on in the garage and what sounded like the radio blaring. Convinced my dad was in the garage, I walked over there and I decided to leave the safety of the house. I focused on the welcoming light of the garage and began sprinting across the hundred or so feet of pitch darkness. As I entered the garage, I felt relief as I called out to my dad. This relief proved short-lived as I instantly froze and realized something was wrong. Standing in deafening silence, I didn't see my dad anywhere. I heard something that sounded like a radio just moments ago, but now all I could hear was my own panicked breathing. I would not have made the terrifying trip over if I had not listened to that convincing sound. Before my heart had the chance to start beating again, I took off toward the house. What previously took me 30 seconds I now covered in 10. I was so terrified I decided it was best to solely focus on the door and getting back inside. As I burst through the door I found my dad in the living room, looking as if he had been there for hours. Like so many horrifying experiences at that house, I just tried to not overthink it and moved on. It was not until a few years later after I moved out that I would be reminded of this experience. As I've previously mentioned, my family often tells scary stories of the valley, and this is what we found ourselves doing one night. As it became my brother's turn to tell a story, it didn't take long for it to sound very familiar. My brother described the same instance of needing to talk to our father. He saw the lights on, heard the radio blaring in the garage, and was convinced he'd find our dad working there. He ran through the darkness only to discover exactly what I did. Nothing. No sounds of the radio, and no dad. It was the next bit that had my blood turning to ice, though. While I tried not to scare myself further and focus solely on the door, my brother did not. As he turned back running towards the house, he made the mistake of scanning his surroundings. He saw the distinct outline of some form on top of the roof, and to his absolute terror, it was not human. What appeared to be the silhouette of some sort of man stood stock still right above the door, and this was the path that he had to use to get into the house. 
This creature was so dark it contrasted against the surrounding woods. I have no idea how he summoned the courage, but my brother ran like a bat out of hell back to the house and through the door. Once hearing his version of events, I couldn't help but wonder. If I had just looked up when approaching the door, would I have discovered that I was not alone either? My sister, mom, and I started going up to a town around Lake Huron for a few days vacation after my mom and dad split up. It's kind of like a daughters and mother bonding thing now, and a friend tagged along with us this summer. The town was populated with tourists and had a river and tubing canoe marina right in the middle. This marina is where you can rent tubes, canoes, kayaks, and the like. You can go down river with them. The tubes are way slower so you are just floating and keeping up with the river's speed, essentially. We weren't new to the idea of floating down a river, and it was not insanely fun, but it was very relaxing. So we get going. I notice that the river is broader and more extensive, and longer than rivers I've gone down before. Now, if you don't know, basically, we go upriver and go all the way down until it pushes us out into Lake Huron. There were large, steep hills and cliffs on each side, with a road close by for the marina to drop tubers and canoers off. Just floating along, probably about an hour after we started, my sister, friend, and I are holding on to each other's tubes, so we're like a floating pod. My mom is floating a little bit behind us, sleeping probably. We reach this straightaway type area with steep hills on the side of the road. I hear a loud cough coming from the top of a mountain. A loud, fake cough, like a ahem type cough. Why is someone trying to clear their throat so loudly in the middle of nowhere? All three of us look up and there's a large, hairy man with a giant belly standing naked on top of the hill, rubbing one out and just staring at us. He got our attention soon enough that we spent the suitable amount of time it takes a person to float past this and we got a good look at him. We were all stunned and my mom somehow heard nothing. When we finally passed, I saw him turn away and go back into the woods and away from the river. I thought I saw him try to come out again further down the river, but he had just missed us going by. It wasn't until we passed him that I told my mom what we saw, and we reported it back to the marina when we got back around two hours later. It still to this day has to be one of the grossest things I've ever seen, and who knows how many unlucky people had to see that sad sight, and who knows if that person did anything worse to people. This might not be a necessarily terrifying story, but it was so strange and downright creepy and uncomfortable that I felt like it would be worth sharing. So I was in seventh grade and really into music and going to concerts. My dad told me we could see Bad Finger and War at a free show in Toledo, Ohio. As far as I know, they have this concert every year. It's called Party in the Park and takes place at this lovely park right on the banks of Lake Erie. I was a little hippie who wore rose-colored glasses. My favorite band was the Beatles, so of course, I was ecstatic to see a band that had been signed to Apple Records and I was also psyched to see War as I love Lowrider and Spill the Wine. If I recall correctly, Bad Finger was playing one day and then, a day or two later, War played. I think I also had the opportunity to see Blue Oyster Cult, but I passed. So anyway, I went to Badfinger, I got my picture taken, and an autograph from Joey Molland. 
so I was in my 60s music nerd heaven. My dad kept wandering off to get food or beer or speak to people he knew in the crowd. My mom probably would have flipped out if she'd known that my dad was leaving little teen me unattended at a free concert in Toledo, especially on the banks of Lake Erie. A lot of crazy stuff happens here, but I didn't mind a bit because I was feeling like a grown-up and independent. After all, I'd just met an absolute rock star. So obviously, I was okay, and nothing terrible would ever happen the same day something so extraordinary happened. Right? It got dark very quickly after the concert, and I really wanted to go home. But my dad kept running into people he knew and chatting with them. He bumped into some guy, and the guy tried to show him his new boat, parked or docked or whatever, right there within sight of the stage at this concert. I was pumped to get on this boat and hang out. Still, there were all these super hot older men, by which I mean two guys who were probably 17 with slightly above average looks, on board. I was shy and clumsy, and I worried I would struggle to get onto the boat without falling over. So I said I'd hang out with inside of the ship and people watch, and my dad was like, cool, whatever, let me on that boat. I was standing there probably cheesing, pondering just how fantastic my day had been when this guy walked up to me and kind of punctured my happy little cloud. He was almost seven feet tall, solid, and a little chubby. He looked to be in his late 30s or early 40s and gave me the creeps. I also didn't like him because he looked very much like Mark David Chapman, and as previously stated, I was all about the Beatles at the time. Stephen King met and signed an autograph for Mark David Chapman not too long before MDC shot John Lennon. Stephen King described him as, the lights are on, nobody's home, the house is haunted. This guy had that look going for him. At this point in my life, I had never really been approached by strangers, and I just spoke to him like I would have spoken to anybody else. He asked me about the concert, and I happily chattered away. Then asked where I was from, who was with me, I pointed out my dad, and then he asked me if I had a boyfriend. At 13 years old, I didn't know yet whether to answer this creepy guy's questions or really much about dating. But when somebody asked me if I had a boyfriend at the time, my answer was always going to be no, obviously. I told him that I didn't have one, and I didn't really want one, you know, I was 13. He started telling me how beautiful I was out of nowhere, and how my face was beautiful, how my body was beautiful, and how I seemed so much more grown up than 13, and all the while, he was looking at me in a way that made me feel like I was going to throw up. I have never been looked at like that by anybody and never really since. It wasn't one of those looks where like, oh, I'm infatuated with you. It was one of those looks that, ooh, you're my prey. And of course it would have to happen from a gigantic man that could easily overpower me and do whatever he wanted. He started reaching toward me and I kept taking steps back while talking to him because I was raised to not be rude. I was so afraid and so disgusted by how this man was looking at me that I was nearly in tears. Then, out of nowhere, my dad came running up and said he had been looking for me, and we had to leave right away. This guy ran away. I mean, sprinted. He was clearly not up to anything good. I saw his eyes when my dad ran up, and he looked genuinely afraid, like a deer caught in the headlights. My dad is useless about talking about anything complicated. He had a rough childhood that he never really talks about, so he just started chatting all sunshiny about where we were going to eat. I tried to shake off what had just happened and felt so bad. But, when we got to the restaurant, I had to go off to the ladies' room and cry. I was too innocent even to be afraid that I might have been kidnapped, murdered, or something else. 
What was messing with my head the most, though, was how he looked at me. I was so pumped about puberty, which I'd already hit, but the thought of having breasts and all that stuff was fantastic, having hips was excellent, I couldn't, you know, really wait to be an adult. But now, for the first time I'd experienced a feeling of having a female body is almost like a liability. I blamed myself for a while. I felt something about me must be wrong to have made an adult man act like that with me. I know all of that is BS though, but it was a rotten time for me and it took me a long time to get over it and understand and learn and grow. My dad and I never talked about that ever again. I never told my mom or stepdad either. I pushed it out of my mind and didn't even think about it for a long time afterward. I'm just grateful my dad came and scared that guy off when he did, and that he had the decency not to kick that guy's ass right then and there, because I would have been mortified to death, which would have been even worse. Because my dad had a light and a cheery demeanor afterward, I could pretend what had just happened wasn't as dangerous as it was. When I was about 16 years old, I got a job as a personal assistant slash cleaning lady for a wealthy couple living in a big, beautiful mansion on Lake Michigan. It was a great job then, but after a while, I had to quit because of everything going on, and I'll tell you exactly what that was. I made $12 an hour as a 16-year-old girl, which was just crazy to me at the time, but now I know it's because the homeowners couldn't get anyone to stay to work for them, but I didn't see them all that much during the school year so it was fine. I would work 40 hours a week in the summer and part-time while in school. So during the school year, I would hardly ever see the homeowners and would be left alone to clean the house. I had a key, alarm, and gate code, so I let myself in and out as I pleased essentially. In the summer months, I had help from a few other employees, but in the school year, it was just me. At first, I loved being in the house alone. Don't get me wrong. The place was gorgeous right on Lake Michigan had a beautiful view of it. I'd always open all the curtains to let the sun shine in and blast the surrounding sound speakers while I cleaned. It wasn't until I was alone that I started noticing how weird the place was. Nothing ever felt welcoming about the place. Sure, it was pretty to look at, but it was modern and everything was marble and stone. Not a very homey feeling. My first experience happened when I was cleaning one day in silence. I remember not turning on the music because I had a bad headache that day. Suddenly, the speaker to the upstairs part of the house turned on. The way their speaker system works, you can control it by a touchpad in the kitchen, which would play music everywhere besides the basement and main bedroom. To play music in those areas, you must go to the touchpad, turn it on by the control pad, and sync it up with the rest of the house. The reason this was so alarming was because I was the only one there. I walked up the stairs to check what was going on and figure out why the music turned on, seemingly by itself. I looked around and called the homeowner's name, thinking someone had just come in without me noticing, but the doors were still locked and no one was home. I shut off the music and went back downstairs not thinking too much of it. It started happening more often though. I'd be listening to music and it would turn off, or it would be off and turn on in a completely different area of the house. I brushed it off as faulty electronics and didn't really think much of it. The second most prevalent story I remember from working there was when I was cleaning the workout room in their basement. I never wanted to go into this room, and I couldn't tell you why. Something about this room just felt weird. It was super cold and dark and I felt anxious in that room no matter what time of day. I tried to avoid it at all cost, 
but my boss would get mad when the dust would build up, so I forced myself to go down there once a week to tidy up. So anyway, I was in the workout room using a broom and mop. I remember sweeping the floor and propping the door open against the machine while I used the mop. Suddenly, the broom fell over, hitting the wall, and the baseboard to the floor as it was fell, causing three distinct knocks. What I heard after scared me so badly I refused to go into that room by myself ever again. Immediately following the knocks made by the broom falling, three knocks responded in the exact pattern the broom fell, but it was coming from inside the wall. I know what you're thinking. It was not an echo. It was not some sort of scared animal. It was knocking, deliberate knocking. I was utterly alone in a big, quiet house in the middle of nowhere on Lake Michigan, and someone was knocking back at me from inside the wall. To this day, I have no explanation for what I experienced. Lastly, this was the first and only time I've ever seen anything paranormal with my two eyes. And I know this time it's not me being paranoid or crazy because I was with a coworker who saw it too. Sometimes my boss would rent out her guest house and we would clean it before the guest would arrive. So this guest house has a big glass hallway leading from one main area of the house to another. I was cleaning the house while one of my coworkers, Bob, was standing next to me. Just then, I catch a glimpse of what looked like a boy in a blue shirt running by. I turned my head just as Bob turned his head as well. He asked me if I saw that too, and I said yes. Thank you for sharing my stories. Hopefully everybody enjoyed them. I grew up in the state of Michigan, in a town called Port Austin right on the Great Lake of Lake Huron. It's a small town with not much to do besides peruse the small mom and pop shops or go to the diner in the center of town and check out some cool classic cars at the show that is held once a week. Whenever I could, I chose to escape the mundanity and go to my father's cabin in the neighboring city of Grindstone. It was a small community town with nothing but woods and farmland and a nice area for hunting and fishing once again on the shores of Lake Huron. At the time, I was 14 years old and I went up for the weekend with my older brother, a Marine straight out of Iraq, returning home that same weekend from a short hunting trip. My brother was tough as nails and he wasn't afraid of anything, but that day I would see a side of him I wouldn't soon forget. We took the ATV and headed out to a cornfield with an abandoned farmhouse. To set the scene, we were hunting pheasant in the cornfield that opens up to a clearing and beyond that is the beautiful Lake Huron. We entered the opposite side, which is smaller, lighter woodsy area, but has a trail where we park the ATV that leads out to the cornfield. We headed out fairly late, sometime around 4 p.m. after fishing earlier that day, and hadn't had that much luck, so we were deciding to head back at around 7 p.m. As we were exploring the abandoned farmhouse, my brother sat down for a cigarette and called me over to the front to check something out. His face was pale, and he choked on his words. He told me to look over there and pointed. I saw a huge wolf about 300 yards in the clearing ahead of me, standing on its hind legs. This thing was massive and covered in thick black fur. I couldn't really see how Todd actually was from the distance, but its legs looked huge and this thing was muscular with an oddly shaped torso and long slender hind legs. My brother told me to grab one of the shotguns, when it heard him, it turned and looked exactly at us, 
seeming to be leering slightly. It then took a few strides on its hind legs, then went down on all fours and darted into the cornfield in the direction of our ATV. It was starting to get dark now. The sky was red, purple, and orange. We decided to enter the cornfield from the farthest end that this wolf went into. I was on flashlight duty, so I could see all of our surroundings. While he walked ahead of me with a shotgun the entire time, I felt like I was being watched and I swear I heard nearby rustling and low growls and snarls when we would stop. Eventually, what was a 10 minute walk seemed to take an hour. We made it to the trail where the ATV was parked. I started to calm down now that I could see my surroundings better. And that's when I heard the iconic horror movie cliche of a branch or twig snapping, followed by rustling in the cornfield behind us. I shined the flashlight on a patch of stalks where I thought I heard the movement, and sure enough, I saw a pair of yellow reflective eyes about six feet high through a crack in the cornstalks. My brother yelled at it to F off, then it let out an eerie howl that sounded like it was right in my ear. My brother fired one shot, hitting the top of the cornstalks, and then told me to hightail it to the ATV and get it started. I started it, and when I felt him jump on the back after me, I punched a throttle and floored it across to the access road and then onto the main road that cuts through the town. I looked behind me once or twice and saw a huge black mass dart across the road quickly, from out of the cornfield into the darkness of the woods. We headed back to our house, in town that night, and didn't return until about 12pm the next day to collect our things from the cabin, still unnerved. I had always heard the rumors of the Michigan Dogman but I always thought it was just an old wives' tale, like the boogeyman that my dad told me to scare me straight as a kid. I thought it was just some state urban legend like the skunk ape of Florida or Chupacabra, etc. To this day, my brother and I talk about it over some beers, but it was definitely a scary experience for the both of us. I even still go hunting in those parts to this day, but haven't seen anything since, and I hope that I don't see it again. When I was about seven or eight years old, I had a disturbing encounter with a creature or entity. I lived in the Appalachian mountain range of Pennsylvania. It was November when around daylight savings time occurred. I remember it was supposed to be a school day, but since the heavy snow came down, the buses could not drive out in the morning, so school was canceled for a snow day. I was excited to spend the rest of the day in the snow, playing and exploring. We had an acre of property, going quite far back into the woods. I walked deep into the forest to a small frozen pond past my property line. Suddenly, the woods went dead silent. No sounds of birds, no wildlife scurrying around, absolutely nothing. I remember thinking it was strange but kept walking to make it to the pond. I should have turned around right then and there and just went home, but I was just a naive little kid. After I reached the pond, Everything was still completely silent and the hairs on the back of my neck felt like they were rising. I started to get frightened, but I didn't know why. I felt like something terrible would happen to me if I didn't leave right then and there. So I decided, out of some random spark in my brain, to run back home. As I arrived at my backyard, I realized it was so late and the sun was setting. My mom came running outside asking where I was all day and never disappear like that again. Now. None of this made any sense to me, because I had only been out for about 20 minutes or so. I left my house in my snow gear at around 10am, right after the snow day call. 
It was almost 8 p.m., meaning I had been gone for 10 hours. I have had no idea how this happened and how I had been gone for that long. I only remember being out there for maybe a 15 to 20 minute period. I don't know if this has anything to do with any kind of cryptids or any kind of weird supernatural elements, but I do know it was very similar to the things I've heard on the Swamp Dweller YouTube channel in the past when it came to missing 411 videos. Has anyone else ever had this happen to them? Was it some sort of creature? I didn't see anything at all while out there. I didn't lose track of time, and I didn't fall and hit my head or anything. What do you think happened? Please let me know in the comments, and thank you Swamp Dweller for sharing this experience. I know it might not be super terrifying, but the details surrounding this experience will forever have me scratching my head. So my trucking route is from here, in Connecticut, down to Kentucky and Tennessee. It's a pretty good run. I get to see all the sights of the East Coast, but one area of the country gets wild. The area around the Appalachian Mountains. You guys probably know that one of the country's poorest areas got screwed over as the coal mining jobs dwindled and the local economy went down the crapper. I feel for those people down there. Seeing how entrenched in poverty some families are is truly heartbreaking. So I was rolling through an area of the state that I hadn't previously been through, thanks to my usual section of the highway being blocked off by some traffic accident that had unfortunately left a few people dead. I was having some trouble navigating the roads after my phone ran out of battery, and wouldn't you know it, the plug charger decided to give out too. Worst timing ever. But I was an experienced truck driver and wasn't driving an 18-wheeler on that run, so I was free to take some more of the minor roads to find my way around. But even though I considered myself pretty good on the streets, there was a point when I found myself hopelessly lost, and I started to worry that I wouldn't make my shipping delivery deadline. That would mean disciplinary proceedings, and I could not afford those. So anyway, I happened to see this guy wandering down the side of the road. So I slow my truck down, wind down the window, and ask him for directions. The guy seems friendly enough and is willing to take a few minutes to give me all the information I need to make it back onto the main highway that are headed south. But then I started asking him if there was anywhere nearby that I could get some lunch, as it was getting towards about 1 in the afternoon and I'd only managed to get myself a meager breakfast. The guy seems to think for a minute, scratching his head, taking an unusually long time to think of an answer to this question that usually would only take a few seconds to answer. It's rare to be anywhere in West Virginia where there isn't a Cracker Barrel within a few miles, so why he didn't just point me in the direction of one of those was beyond me. When I pressed him, he told me he knew of an old family-run place that did the best chicken fried steak in the entire county, maybe even the state. Suddenly, all was forgiven. Now, I might be a northerner, but I'll be damned if I turn down a good chicken fried steak. All that was taking so long was for him to try and remember the best way there that wouldn't take me down some run-down old dirt road, one which might get my truck stuck on it, which would have left me screwed. So after a minute, he gave me a detailed direction toward an old strip mall. He told me it was mostly abandoned, but the restaurant was still there. Along with a few other smaller businesses, and not to pay any mind that the place seemed quiet during lunch as it did most of its business in the early morning to late evening. I was happy enough, thanked the guy, then set off following the directions he had given me. So it took me a little while to find the old strip mall the guy was talking about. 
It was a little frustrating to drive past a couple of chain restaurants and whatnot given that I was so hungry. But goddamn, if I wasn't craving some of that country style, chicken fried steak, and if it was really a family run place, then all the better. The chain restaurant stuff doesn't cut it compared to the authentic, home style cooking. But eventually, I found this rundown old strip mall that guys seemed to be talking about, and it was a wonder that this place was in such a state of disrepair. It was way off any highway. There were absolutely no signs, anywhere. Literally nothing to let you know it was there. But even worse, I saw no indication that any kind of restaurant was open in any of the units. I wasn't about to give up so easily though, as I saw one place with a big old sign saying something like, Mama J's Country Kitchen, or some weird variation. So my hopes were restored. That's when I see a guy open the door of the place, stepping out into the afternoon heat and staring over at my truck. I gave him away from the driver's side, overjoyed that I was finally about to get some decent food on what had been a long, lonely drive down from Connecticut. I figured he hadn't seen me do it, that or the sun was obscuring his vision or something, because he just continued to stare back at me. I get out of my truck, lock the doors, and walk to the restaurant. I called out to the guy halfway across the parking lot asking if they were open for business. Again, the guy doesn't react. He keeps staring at me in a distinctly unwelcoming way that I notice. Something in my gut just told me to stop walking. I had this creeping feeling all over my body like something was telling me that something was wrong with this whole setup. And no sooner had I started feeling distinctly vulnerable, the guy reached behind his back, pulling something out of his back pocket, and put it on his head. At first I thought it was a woolly hat, but then he pulled it down, and I realized it was a balaclava. Then I noticed something else in his hand, a small revolver. I turn and start running back to the truck, and as I do, I see a few other guys emerging from the derelict units, each running towards my car and trying to cut me off. Each had a weapon in their hand, be it a knife or an iron bar, and seeing those just made me run even faster. Thank God I had gotten that feeling when I did, Otherwise, they would have made it to the truck before I did. I threw the door open, jumped inside, and locked the cab behind me, trembling as I was rummaging from my pocket, trying to get my keys. The bandits surrounded the cab of my truck, hitting the chassis with their weapons and demanding I get out. The guy with the gun aimed it right at my face through the windshield, screaming for me to get the hell out of the truck. I had no choice but to do what I did. I gunned the engine and plowed the whole bunch of them, knocking down those who didn't jump out of the way of mine. I leaned down in my seat as I gripped the wheel out of pure instinct, and again, I thank God I did. Because when I did that, and I hit the guy with the gun, he let loose a single shot that shattered the windshield and struck the seat just above my head. I circled the parking lot expecting the following image to come at any moment, but only the bandits that had gotten out of my way of my initial truck charge were chasing me. Two or three were lying on the concrete, rolling around in pain while the others held onto their limbs. I think it's about the only thing that saved me, having the presence of mind to ram them instead of trying to reverse out of there. If that had been my choice, I might not be around to tell you this story. I got out of that parking lot, speeding off blindly in the first direction I could until I found somewhere to park up and call the cops safely. The sheriff's deputy I spoke to told me to swing on by the department when I was able to, so I could give a statement, and I did exactly that. But not until I'd managed to get some lunch as not even the terror of almost getting hijacked and getting killed would dull my appetite. I guess that makes me sound goddamn fat, but you guys need to appreciate just how hungry I was. Down at the department, however, 
I learned that I was not the first truck driver to have this issue. I was not the first one at all, actually, to run into these bandits. How I'd been just unlucky enough to ask directions from one of their kinfolk, who had directed me to a rundown strip mall just before calling his buddies to let them know I'd be there, at least, that's the only conclusion we came to once I described the guy I had asked directions from. The deputy seemed to nod knowingly when I related this guy's physical description. I'm warning you guys to be very careful when you're out on the roads. And although it seems like a tired old cautionary tale from your Facebook posting aunt, be careful when you talk to strangers. There's no way of knowing who they actually are. I've never had paranormal experiences, but I cannot explain this. I'm in college currently, and seven other people from my school and I went backpacking. We had two experienced leaders at the time. We drove to Zaleski State Park in the Appalachian region of Ohio. It was early April this year, and it was cold and everything was still dead from winter. After hiking miles into the forest, we set up camp at a backpacking campsite and there were a couple of other groups of people there. As a few were friendly older couples, and then two college-age girls, everyone was pretty spread out. We set up camp further away from everyone else. I have always been able to sense the energy of places, and at this point this place didn't feel very great. It was almost spooky. Each of us had individual one-person tents, and we formed a cluster on this site, with my tent in the back so no one would be behind me. Our group was next to the forest because this backpacking site was like a big cleared off square in the middle of the trees. Fast forward, I'm dead asleep and it's sometime around 2am. I wake up to leaves crunching behind my tent. I hear footsteps walking in circles around my tent. They had a sort of heaviness to them that couldn't be a deer or a dog. Also, it sounded like it was on two legs and not four. I cannot make this up. This creature, or whatever it was, was circling my tent for long periods, slowly creeping up to the sides of my tent and then just stopping, and then it would move on to walking around the rest of our tent cluster. I could hear a human-like breathing from the mouth when it was close to my tent, like a light sort of heaving. I was shaking, too scared to unzip my tent and investigate. I kid you not, this seemingly went on for hours and in my experience it seemed like I was the only one who was awake. Out of nowhere, I see an illuminated light shape from my tent, although I couldn't tell you what it was from inside my tent because it was all zipped up. It was like a warm glow, and it didn't move like a flashlight. I was paralyzed in absolute fear. I couldn't believe this was an animal. At some point, I fell asleep due to sheer exhaustion, but I could hear the heavy footsteps circling until I did. In the morning, I questioned my fellow campers about it and my leader admitted she heard the footsteps and noises as well. Realizing it was bizarre, and she would have investigated had she not been so dizzy, one of the boys in the group said they also noticed the light that came on but thought it was someone else. Not a single person in this group went to go to the bathroom at night or turned on any sort of light. I've heard about the Appalachian regions being creepy and bizarre, and now I truly believe it. Some people online have leaned towards Bigfoot because apparently he is associated with light orbs. I've never seen a Bigfoot, and I've never really been a Bigfoot believer, but I'm telling you, this didn't feel like it was just any animal like a bear.
First and foremost, I'm a non-believer. I've never had any encounters with anything supernatural or otherwise not normal. I want to keep this short. Last night, I woke up to my dogs barking. As usual, I let them outside to do their thing. For context, I live in North Carolina in the Appalachian Mountain Range. When I open my bedroom door, I step out into the hallway and immediately slip onto the floor. One of my dogs has been crapping themselves everywhere, running around the house barking and raising hell. I get up and get to the door to let them out and turn back toward the closet to get some cleaning supplies. I clean it up and everything is sorted and put it back into the closet. I then let my dogs back into the house. At this point, nothing too strange has happened, so I open the door to let the dogs in and two come in immediately. Charlie, the dog who had had the accident, stays out near the perimeter of the electric fence, barking into the dark. I close the door and go into the bathroom to clean myself up. I take off my clothes, shower, and then took the clothes that were old and dirty and set them right outside by the back door. When I do this, my third dog comes back inside quickly. Still at this point, nothing is wrong or out of order. I take a towel to a few spots around the house to get all the fecal matter. I decide to throw out the towel along with my pajamas, so I take the towel and clothes and head toward the bins at the back door. I grab the stuff I'm throwing out in a small basket and head towards the trash bin. Yes, this is where it gets weird. As I walk, I notice it's pitch black outside, and no light from inside is shining out since I had been asleep. As soon as I consider how dark it is, I hear whistling. As soon as I hear the whistle, I hear Charlie inside the house barking and losing his mind. I stop to think what it is. A bird maybe? But it's not. The whistle goes up and down in pitch with fluidity and stops at certain angles. There is no rhyme or pattern to it. I stopped walking as soon as I heard the whistle. As I said before, I don't believe in monsters or demons or anything like that. I do think there are undoubtedly sick human beings though. I listen for another five seconds, maybe before dropping the basket and briskly walking back inside, locking the door for good measure. That night I slept with my shotgun in my bed and all of my dogs close. I still to this day have no idea what made those whistling noises and what was causing my dogs to freak out, as on any normal night they would never act this way and feel like they run this whole area. If anybody has any ideas in the comments down below, please let me know. As far as I know, there's something or someone strange in the Appalachian woods. First, I will say I'm not a believer or a skeptic. I don't know how to describe myself, honestly. I try to find scientific explanations. I try to find scientific explanations for things while considering that it could very well just be something crazy. This time, I can't call it anything but nuts. I'm an avid hiker and hunter. No, this is not a skinwalker story. I like to go into the woods for days at a time and camp, hunt, and fish. I do this quite often in the Appalachian area. I went into a forest, off the beaten path in the Daniel Boone National Park. As per my usual MO, and search for a nice place near a creek with plenty of room to set up camp. I had my survival gear, rifle, and camping supplies. My buddy was with me, but he wasn't around when I ran into whatever this thing is. About three days in, we were sick of fish, so I went to grab some squirrels, seeing as how they were plentiful and the only thing in season. I'm not going to BS you. Squirrel hunting with a big-ass gun is not really a thing. 
All I had that would work was a 22 and a knife. I got about 30 minutes from camp, so I was well out of sight and earshot from my friend. I get to a nice, wooded area and stop on a stump. The first sign something was up is that there were no sounds around me. No squirrels, no birds, nothing. The second saw... The second sign was the sky darkening. A big storm blew in out of nowhere, very quickly. If you live in Kentucky, you know the one. The big lightning storm from a week or two back. This was my cue to F off. I started the trek to camp. I was making good time when I saw whatever it was. It was crawling low to the ground about a hundred yards ahead of me. My first thought was a bear, but then it stood up. Not in all fours or two legs. It had six limbs, two arms and four legs. Then it hauled ass until it was out of view. Pretty freaky considering it was in the middle of the day during a storm. There's a distinct chance I saw things off and I was maybe just hallucinating, but I'm not so sure. I told my friend about it and he got uneasy and suggested we leave. He's a bona fide Appalachian man, so bet your ass as soon as the storm cleared, we cleaned up camp and left out of there as quickly as we could. I don't know what this was. Maybe some sort of Bigfoot? Maybe some sort of hybrid creature? I couldn't even begin to tell you, but there's something in the Appalachians that's unnatural. I enjoy all the stories you share on the show, and I appreciate the effort you guys put into sharing them. Bringing your experiences to light is very helpful for other people, so I thought I might as well ride into the show and share mine. Though it seems a bit silly on the surface compared to other stories, but here goes. I live in the Appalachian Mountains region of the United States. Being in these ancient mountains has always inspired a sense of awe, and I don't think I have ever wanted to grow up anywhere else. And being a descendant of the Cherokee people, it has always felt right to be here, you know? My brothers and I always had a lot of land to explore and run on as children. I always tell people that I grew up in the woods. It felt important to share that little background information because what I saw when I was younger might be rooted in local folklore. But anyway, onto the story. When I was younger, I was never afraid to roam the hills, back in the woods, day or night. It was just a part of me. And one evening, my family had a get-together with friends and family. We had a small fire and roasted hot dogs and s'mores. All the campfire goodies, you know? Well, afterward, once the fire was put out, my father asked me to take the remaining wood and sticks, etc. that wasn't used for fuel to the fire and throw them back in the brush at the end of our backyard, away from the back of the field. He didn't want to run them over when he was mowing the lawn. So I picked them all up and headed back toward the end of the field, and by the time I got there, it was twilight. Beautiful red-orange sky, a nice glow all around. I remember this because of just how eerie it seemed. As I threw the sticks into the brush, I turned around and not 50 feet away from me was a deep, royal blue pig. I was shocked and didn't even move. The entire scene was just marvelous and scary at the same time. I didn't move, having pigs myself, I know this one was larger than any pig I have ever had. This continued for a few minutes, but realistically we stared at each other for a good five minutes before he calmly turned and walked majestically into the forest. Now I know what you're saying, how is this scary? Well if you know anything about wild boars, especially all across the south, they are a very big problem and are incredibly aggressive. 
The fact that this thing didn't charge me right away or attack me is a miracle in itself. I never saw this thing again after that, but anyway, I just felt like sharing this with you all. I've told some other people throughout the years, but nobody really believes me. They just think that it was a neat story, but it was 100% true and something I will never forget. The size of this beast was purely unnatural, and the color it was was so interesting. I've never seen anything remotely match that color in the natural world. Throughout my childhood, I lived in central Alabama. However, I have many stories along with my friends. This is just one of the stories I refused to talk about openly to my friends for many years, until I finally decided to share this spine-chilling story today on the show. The day was Saturday, November 8th, 1986. It was a cold evening in a small town called Stewart, Alabama, southwest of Talladega, Alabama. I was 15 and was walking down what at the time was a small dirt road called White Road with my golden retriever, Jack. The road was significantly more minor back then than it is today, so you would rarely see any cars. However, there is always this one old house, with one half of it made from wood and the other out of bricks. It's a very interesting looking house. It was about 30 or so feet away from the road. And it had a carport with what looked to be a black with a white stripe 1962 model Chevrolet Corvette. The house belonged to a lady who passed away in 1971. Now it belonged to her son, who lived up another mile up the road. I remember about a year or so before this occurred. I asked the man, who was in his 40s, why hasn't anyone gotten the Corvette? This man was excellent. He's given me old fishing lures and a tackle box before but what he told me still gives me chills to this day. He said, We would, but that Corvette is the same place mom and my aunt died of a heart attack. I remember making a response something along the lines of, I'm so sorry for your loss, or something along those lines. But then I dumbly asked him, So, you want the car to stay in their memory? He responded, No, it's because I do not dare get near that house. I asked him why and he never would tell me. And before I left, he said something like, stay away from that place. I don't want anyone else getting hurt. After that talk, I didn't even want to go around that house, as I had never really gone around that house but once or twice before. But one day, about a year after this, I decided to walk past it, and my curiosity got the best of me. Jack began to bark and growl, as I had never heard before. He had never done that time. He had also never done that in the times we had walked past it before, but it was different. The whole atmosphere was eerie. It was dark and cloudy that day and rather cold, and it didn't help that we were surrounded by deep thick woods for miles upon miles, so we were smack dab in the middle of the Alabama wilderness. You see, the area has definitely developed more since then, but is still relatively rural. As it was getting later by the minute, Jack began tugging on his leash so I slowly began walking over toward the house. Jack grew louder and louder the closer he got. Then, when we reached the Corvette, he stopped and started sniffing. I looked to my right to see a door that had fallen over, and I could see halfway into a very dark house, with what looked to be a broken mirror at the end of it. Jack walked to the other side of the car, and then turned his attention towards the door. 
It was almost as if everything froze. Jack didn't move for a solid 10 or 15 seconds before he let out the most profound, loudest growl I had ever heard in my entire life. I've never heard a dog make this noise before. It was so guttural and primal. He never barked and he continued to growl and slowly began walking to the doorway. What seemed to be about five to 10 seconds between each step, he showed every single one of his teeth with his eyes squinted. He reached the doorway, paused from the growling and lunged forward with a leaping bark. I almost fell to the ground and barely hung onto his leash. He then barked repeatedly. I ran over to him, only to look up and see a figure in a white dress in that broken mirror, with distorted, wrinkly hands and very twisted long hair. I couldn't see it physically, but only in the mirror. I froze with shock and terror, blinking again and again, but the figure remained there. Blinking again and again, yet the figure remained there. I grabbed Jack's collar and ran off the porch with Jack behind me, back into the dirt road and into the wilderness. As everything got dark, I could barely see. After I got to the road, it sounded like two women were yelling, She needs help! I don't remember much after that. I just remember tripping and falling over a wooden bridge that crossed the small creek that I had to go over. I got back up, grabbed Jack's leash, and ran some more. I do not doubt that something would have happened if Jack and I had gone into that house. To this day, I dare not go down that road. Even though the man told me that he would finally demolish the house, I refused to go anywhere near it. I don't want anyone to have a similar experience. Only you know the words cannot begin to describe the fear when you see or hear a strange figure. Like I said, this place has been developed a bit since then, but it is still very rural and there is still a lot of wilderness around. But I don't know, there's something about that place that was just evil. Hello my fellow horror enthusiast, let's start my story. I am 15 years old and this happened when I was 13. I live in Illinois, but this took place in Wisconsin. I will tell you the site's surroundings because it will be important later in the story. We own about 200 acres of land in Wisconsin. My dad and I hunt on it a lot. Most of this land is covered in trees. There is a small garage and house where we store our weapons and sleep. There is a small gate where you enter the forest, and that's where our story starts. My dad and me, we will call him Andrew, we enter the gate, and we hike for a few miles. Also, just to let you know, our land is joined by a forest that is larger than 200 acres, we hiked a few miles to our hunting nest in one of the trees, and we waited for an hour or two and didn't see a thing. No animals or anything, only birds singing and squirrels hanging out. After another hour of waiting, everything suddenly goes silent, and if you know when there is a large predator around, other animals generally become quiet and leave the area or hide. So we thought a bear was somewhere around us. Still, my dad told me bears don't live around here, so we questioned why it would be so silent. After about a half an hour of silence, I saw something I told my dad about, and he saw it too. I will give you the best description I can provide you. This thing, it was tall. It was about seven or eight feet tall if I had to guess, and its arms, oh my god, they almost reached the ground. It had these small yellow eyes and a vast, gaping mouth. We were scared absolutely crapless, looking at it until it snapped its head and looked at us, and growled. 
We thought it was going to attack us at any moment. Still, it just kept looking at us, like it was determining if we were alive, or if we were food, or maybe something like that. But after it darted by us really quickly, we had to turn around slowly. When we looked, it was still staring at us, but only for a few seconds, until it zipped into the forest, and we didn't see it until again later. So, I and my dad contemplated what the heck we were going to do. We had no idea what we had just witnessed, and what type of creature this was. We had no clue. So we waited for a few hours until it got dark, and that's when we thought it was a good idea to get the heck out of there. We left our hunting blind, and got back to our garage without incident and we went to sleep. Still, after a few hours, we were woken up to a scratching sound outside. My dad said it was like a raccoon or something, but I wasn't convinced. I took my dad's rifle and Glock just in case, and I looked outside, and there it was, the same creature from before. So what I did was slowly crept away to go upstairs to the first place where we slept. But when I was walking upstairs, I stepped on a creaky board, and this creature heard it. It screeched and slammed into the door. I thought it was going to break through, but somehow it didn't. It just cried a few more times and ran away. So we called the police and told them what we saw, but the police just shrugged it off as our imagination. But I swear to God, my dad and me saw it twice, and we even showed them the scratches. They just searched the perimeter, and that was pretty much it. They said that they couldn't really do anything because obviously there was no body or no proof that this creature was even here. I'm going to that place to hunt again soon, but we will be armed to the teeth. My dad got me a Glock as a present, and my dad got himself two Mossberg 590 shotguns for me and him to be safe. Let's hope we don't see this creature again. I'll tell you about the results later. This story is about my brother's experience at Pocahontas State Park in Chesterfield, Virginia. I'll be telling it from his point of view. During a sixth grade field trip to Pocahontas State Park, I was at the back of the line of my fellow classmates as we were making our way down the trail through the woods. I started feeling a bit nauseous and a teacher noticed I was trailing behind slower than the rest of the class and offered me a soda to try to calm my stomach down. She told me to sit on a log right off the trail sip on my soda and rest for a bit and she'd come back to check on me. She then jogged up to catch up with everyone else who had kept walking up the trail. I was sitting down at this point alone in the forest. I heard a woman moan a few feet away from me. I looked up and couldn't believe what I was seeing. On a fallen tree just 10 feet away from me across the trail was a naked woman lying on her side. Her skin was greenish gray and she had minor cuts that weren't bleeding. They were all over her body, from her neck to her chest. She had dark brown, dripping hair. It was dripping wet as she had just gotten out of the water. She was not translucent. She was as solid as the tree she was laying on. I rubbed my eyes because I thought I was hallucinating from sickness and looked again, and she was still there, looking right back at me. I stared at her for about a minute or two. I heard my teacher walking around the trail, coming to come check on me. So I looked left to see where she was, and when I looked back towards the woman, she was gone. I started shaking uncontrollably. My teacher saw me and freaked out, thinking I was going to have a seizure or that I was cold due to being sick. Eventually, she walked me back to the bus to wait on the rest of the group. 
I didn't tell her what I actually saw right away, until about a week later. She searched online for any deaths that took place at the park, and lo and behold, she found an article about a woman in her 30s who was stabbed to death in the shower in 1986 by her boyfriend in one of those cabins, just about 50 yards from where I saw the naked green figure. I've experienced paranormal activity a lot, but that's the only time I've ever seen an apparition, and it scared me to death. My brother has told me many other stories, and every time I hear this particular one, it makes me freak out. If it were I that saw a naked, wet, stabbed green lady in the woods, I would have probably peed my pants right then and there. Hello, I'm going by Frederick. It's not my real name because I'd like to remain anonymous. I'm a male, and my age is not going to be disclosed to a bunch of strangers. I'm not entirely sure if I'm doing this submission thing right, but this happened to me a few days ago while on vacation to Texas. I'm not a great writer, so Swamp Dweller, please bear with me. So, for a while now, I've been interested in the paranormal, and stories about skimwalkers, wendigos, and fleshgates are my most favorite. So, for context, I went down to Texas from Minnesota for my older sister's wedding. The night after the wedding, I was at my cousin's with two of my older sisters and my little cousin, who we will call Maya. So, Maya wanted to play a game called Ghost in the Graveyard, which is essentially a hide-and-seek tag type game, very similar to Manhunt. A group of people counts while one hides. When you find the hider, aka the ghost, you yell, Ghost in the Graveyard. And the ghost runs and tries to tag as many people as possible. I was the ghost, and the house was in the extensive driveway. To its left is a slight overhang and a giant grassy field, and to the right is my grandfather's workshop, and behind that was a very vast state forest. Their house is near the end of the garage and next to the forest. I was hiding in the side of the house, crouched down in a black hoodie and sweatpants feeling all sneaky. After about three or so minutes of hiding, I heard plants being walked through coming from the forest to my right. I looked over, expecting a squirrel or something, one of my siblings or maybe another family member. But there was something that I didn't expect. Now I saw a white-tailed deer staring straight at me. Its neck was long like an elk, its mouth was hanging open. Its teeth were sharp, yellow, and brown with reddish stains. It looked like they were rotting. It just stared at me, unblinking, and I stared back in fear. It was honestly a horrific sight, and I was about to pee myself as all the stories of not deer and skimwalkers rushed to my head. I got up and ran into the driveway, and my cousin saw and yelled ghost in the graveyard and jumped onto the trampoline, which was the safe zone. But I did not care. I was crapping myself in the middle of the driveway, trying to escape this deer. I just said I was tired and went inside and laid on the couch, and we spent the rest of the night in there. The following day I went outside and in the driveway there were so many dead rabbits out of nowhere. Their stomachs had been like ripped open almost surgically, and their organs were gone. The brains and everything else were still there. I about threw up and I saw nothing more for the next three or so days that I was there. Thank you for sharing my story. It was a great stress relief writing this. I know it was short and to the point, but this is what I saw. If anybody has any idea if I saw a not deer or something else, please comment down below. I would love to know anybody's suggestions.
Hey Swamp Dweller, I work at a state prison on the edge of a national forest in North Carolina. This place is home to murderers and other criminals, the worst of society. Anyway, the forest always gives off a creepy vibe, especially at night, the shift I currently work. I am a 50-year-old male who is comfortable in the woods and doesn't scare easily, but this forest does not feel right. I always feel like something is watching. I was doing a routine patrol around the outside fence this night. The fog was weighty, so you could only see about five feet in any direction. The usual forest sounds were making their concert like any other night. At the far point of the entrance, all went silent, which was noticed immediately. You could hear footsteps in the forest just inside the tree line, two-legged bipedal steps. Having grown up in the woods and being a retired army ranger, I am confident I can handle most situations. I caught a glimpse of something moving to my right, where the forest began. There were two amber eyes about eight feet off the ground, and it let out a deep guttural growl from the darkness. I was armed with a 12-gauge shotgun and a 9mm sidearm. Out of habit, I rack around into the chamber of the 12-gauge. The forest is full of deer, coyotes, wolves, and once in a blue moon, black bear. Not giving it too much more thought, I continued my patrol. Now, I should mention that the prison has guard towers about 300 yards apart, and there are eight around the area, with a gravel path leading to each of them. This eight-foot thing steps out from the darkness behind me. I heard the heavy foot hit the gravel, and within seconds, it was on full-on run mode towards me. I ran for the closest guard tower, which was only about 20 feet away, stuck my keys in the lock, and snatched the door open. I dove inside just as the metal door slammed shut and this thing hits the door with all of its force, which shook the concrete of the steel tower. You could hear it snarling and hitting the door. I climbed to the top to get a look at what the hell just happened. I just caught a glimpse of it sinking back into the forest darkness. It was an eight foot tall, hairy covered man, like some sort of creature with a wolf tail. I'm not sure what just happened. I called the commander on duty and asked him to drive around the tower. I wanted him to come pick me up because I was way too scared and I had turned my ankle and didn't want to walk back to the entrance. When he arrived, I heard him say in a loud voice, what in all that is holy? On the outer side of the metal door was a massive dent and a claw mark that had four distinct marks. Without a word, we got back in the truck and drove back to the prison entrance. From that point, foot patrol was turned into a driving truck patrol. So this encounter happened many years ago, and I was very young at the time. It was in 2001 or 2002 when I was 11 or 12. My uncle was interested in purchasing some land near Red Oak, Oklahoma. I do not know precisely where, but several acres were in a very remote area. My father, mother, and I decided to accompany him one Saturday to scope out the property. From our home, it was a little more than a three-hour drive, but we all loved riding in the car. So while it would not be the most eventful road trip, we went to get out of the house. Upon arrival, I remember being very underwhelmed by the place. There were no houses anywhere near, and hardly any signs of any life apart from a few birds, and the wooded area wasn't exactly what I would call picturesque. Still, we parked our car off the road to explore the woods a bit. 
My uncle was talking about buying the land for hunting, which is not my cup of tea. As we walked through the woods, it was a lovely day, but still something felt off. Everyone in our group remarked about the eerie feeling, but my dad and uncle laughed it off. My mom had goosebumps and kept looking over her shoulder, which made me on edge too. She was insistent that it was weird and wanted to leave, saying it felt like she was being watched. After a bit of hiking, I noticed a small red building. I've seen bigger storage sheds in suburbs, but it looked well built. My uncle said there was something weird about it, and there was nothing about it on the listing, so we went to peek inside. The door was open, and inside were open cans of food, a ratty blanket on the floor, and it stunk, unlike anything I'd ever smelled before. Following this discovery, we all agreed it would be best to return to the car. If there was some crazy hermit living in the woods, we didn't want to be around to find him. The only issue was we had walked far into the woods and now weren't exactly sure which direction was correct. The eerie feeling excited, and we were all on edge. We ended up trekking another mile before we finally found the road. We were further down from where we had parked, but at least we could follow the road now. Walking along the road, we came across a genuinely unsettling sight. Right in the middle of the asphalt was a dark gray cat on fire. I have no idea why a cat was out in the middle of nowhere or how it came to be killed and set ablaze. This had just happened, but there was no one in sight. Naturally, we ran the rest of the way to the car. There was a massive scratch in the paint down the side of it. Somebody had keyed it. Thankfully, that was the only damage. My dad was able to start it without any trouble, and we drove away as fast as we possibly could. My heart is sped up just recounting this moment, one of the scariest moments of my life. My uncle did not buy the land, and I'll never forget this terrifying encounter. Still, like anything, over time I pushed it to the back of my mind, and it just became one of those odd moments you occasionally recall and tell at a family get-together years later. It's almost like a funny story. I'm sharing this because I was reminded of it last night while binge-watching some episodes of an unsolved YouTube channel show where they shared the story of a family that disappeared in the same area while also looking for some land for sale. The disappearance of the Jameson family is the name of the mystery in the video if you're interested. The family died in the same area we were searching, roughly seven years after we made our trip there. There are many theories about their deaths, including allegations of some sort of cult in the area, complete with something about dead cats. Coincidence? Probably but the whole story gave me chills. So if my family narrowly avoided being killed by some witches, a cult, or something else, or if we just stumbled upon a hermit who didn't want us in his woods. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, please be sure to give this a like as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it and that's very helpful to the swamp growing. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating over there as it really helps us grow there, and it's very much appreciated. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode. 
as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, I'm always looking for new tales to share. Be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would absolutely be elated to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support the Swamp outside of that, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to keep up with me outside of YouTube, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.